Hi, I'm Candace Malcolm. I'm a Canadian journalist and political commentator. I write for the Toronto Sun and I am the founder and editor-in-chief of True North. I want to do a video today because I want to talk about the conflict going on in Israel, frankly because I see a lot of misinformation, a lot of propaganda, and a lot of myths when it comes to this conflict and to Israel more broadly. Uh, just first things first, I will put all of my biases out there. I'm, I'm not Jewish. I'm, I'm not Muslim. I don't really have a dog in the fight other than the fact that I believe Israel is an ally to Western countries like Canada and the United States. I think that Israel has the right to defend itself against terrorist insurgencies and against adversarial uh, actors that are in the region. And I think that Israel is really a, a shining example of a pluralistic, peaceful, free society in the Middle East. One of the very few, if not the only examples of a peaceful and free society in the Middle East. So I, I think that uh, Israel is admirable in, in many ways. Uh, but I also say that I don't think it's anti-Semitic to criticize Israel. I think just like any government, it's fair game to criticize politicians, to criticize policies, and to criticize government in Israel. And I, I'm also very sympathetic to the people of Palestine, the Palestinian people, the Arabs living in the area. Um, you know, everybody wants there to be a peaceful solution. I, I had the opportunity to visit Israel um, and the West Bank and speak to uh, Israeli Ara Arab Israelis, uh, to speak to Palestinians uh, when I was there back in 2015. And I, I was there as a working journalist. And, uh, you know, basically what I heard from people is a little bit different than what you hear in the media. I spoke to Israelis, Jewish Israelis who hate their government. They're not, you know, they're not big fans of Netanyahu. Uh, they think that he's corrupt and, you know, they don't like his uh, domestic policies. The, the reason that he's so popular is because he is strong. He's willing to fight fire with fire. He, he wants to decimate the terrorist insurgencies. And I think that resonates with a lot of Israelis who just want this to be over with. They've tried, you know, a lot of different ways to negotiate, to try to make peace deals, to try to make a two-state solution. Nothing has worked and they're just fed up, uh, tired of the fighting, tired of the war, tired of, you know, having loved ones be killed. And so they just want a strong leader that will end it. Um, on the other side, I also spoke to many uh, Palestinians. Uh, what I heard from them a lot was actually a bit more surprising. Um, I heard people that were very, very critical of Mahmoud Abbas, the Palestinian leader. Um, they said that he's corrupt, that he refuses to hold elections, that he's weak, um, that he bows down to the terrorist insurgencies. And so, you know, I, I, I don't think it's this black and white. I think you have Jewish Israelis who are critical of their own government. You have Palestinians who hate the, the leadership and the people that are making decisions on their side. And, you know, both sides just want this to end. They just want to find peace. They want to live side by side. Um, and, you know, they're not really being very well represented by their leaders. So today I want to take a few minutes to go through some of the biggest myths that I am seeing when it comes to the current clash, this one right now in May 2021. So I had my friends over at True North come up with a couple of examples of these myths and I'm going to go through them for you right now. Myth number one, Palestinians were peaceful and unarmed and it was the Israeli forces that instigated this fight and Palestinians were just defending themselves. 
Well, this is just not true. So basically what happened was that there was a riot at Temple Mount. Um, this was clearly pre-planned. You can see, um, you know, so Temple Mount is the, the holiest place in the Jewish religion. It's also the third holiest place in the Muslim religion, which is why a lot of this conflict begins, because these two groups share a holy land, basically, and they both want to control it. So Muslims were there, they were praying, and all of a sudden it devolved into a riot. Well, the problem is that we saw some pictures here that show that this riot looked like it was pre-planned. Uh, there were giant slabs of concrete and rocks that were placed everywhere to sort of encourage Palestinian protesters to get violent. Uh, there were reports of rioters that were throwing Molotov cocktails, which are basically just firebombs. So they're throwing firebombs, they're throwing fireworks, um, they're really agitating the Israeli police and kind of just encouraging the police to overreact. And we, we saw that a little bit with, um, you know, the same kind of riot control that you would see in a North American city during an Antifa riot, uh, you know, using tear gas and trying to just clear the area and, and, and move people out. Well, that was sort of the origin of this battle and then Hamas began firing its rockets so first it fired rockets into Jerusalem even though it's supposedly you know the holy city of Jerusalem Hamas is firing rockets into Jerusalem and that is what that is what prompted this entire battle uh, Israel didn't respond uh, for hours later and so the idea that somehow that somehow Israel started this is just it's just not true the facts are on the other side and so, you know, that's that. Uh, let's go on to the next myth. Number two, Israel is an apartheid state. We saw a couple of Green Party MPs tweeting this, of course, um, in the U.S. Uh, AOC said that it was an apartheid state. Uh, let's just be clear about something. Okay, the definition of apartheid, most people, when they think of apartheid, they think of South Africa, where there were separate laws, separate institutions, separate public availability for white South Africans versus black South Africans. So separate separate system of law. So the definition of apartheid is a policy or system of segregation or discrimination on the grounds of race. Well, that's just simply not the case in Israel. There are no separate laws for different races. There aren't even separate laws for different religions. About 20% of the population of Israel is made up of Arab Israelis. So Arabs who live in Israel. I'm not talking about the disputed territories, not Gaza, not West Bank, but the actual territory of Israel. About 20% of the population is Arab, and they have full access to every institution the same way as a Jewish Israeli or a Christian Israeli or any other religion of Israeli. So the idea that there's separate, separate systems of government simply isn't true. There are Arabs that are represented in the parliament in, in Israel. They, you, you see you know, Arabs in positions of power as judges, as justices, elected officials, teachers, police officers, they're, they're, they're positions throughout the society. So the idea that somehow there's like separate buses and separate schools and separate restaurants for uh, Arabs versus Jews is, is just not true. That's not what it's like in Israel. I think a lot of people who um, push this out there are just sort of playing on emotions and also uh, maybe they're talking about the Arabs who live in the disputed territories. Um, well, that, that is separate, but the idea here is that both sides want a two-state solution. So, you know, 
the, the territories that are disputed, like Gaza, is governed by Hamas, and, and the West Bank is governed by the Palestinian Authority. So they have their own governments, which are Arab. Um, and so, you know, the idea that they would be like held under Israeli law, that, that doesn't really go in line with the two-state solution. So the idea of apartheid is just a myth. Let's go to number three, which is that Israel is guilty of war crimes. Um, we, we hear this a lot, that, that Israel targets civilians, that Israel kills children. Um, this, this simply isn't the case. It's actually Hamas. It's Hamas who fires its rockets indiscriminately into Israel, hoping to hit civilian targets. When Hamas fires thousands of rockets in one night, the whole point is to overwhelm Israel. Um, Israel has the Iron Dome program, which is something really remarkable. It is actually a very cool um, piece of technology that when Hamas shoots a rocket towards civilians and neighborhoods in Israel, Israel has the capacity to shoot that rocket down. And the reason that Hamas fires so many at once is because the Iron Dome is only capable really of firing down about 90% of those rockets. So the other 10% go through. So just through sheer numbers, um, it, it, Hamas tries to overwhelm the system, firing at civilian targets. They actually don't even care whether they hit Arab Israelis or Jewish Israelis. They don't even care if they hit Gazans. A lot of times these rockets fall short and they actually end up landing in Gaza killing kids and families, uh, which is partially why the death count is so disproportionate. People think that the fact that a lot of people are dying in Gaza and not a lot of people are dying in Israel, you know, we have dozens on one side and hundreds on the other. Um, it's not simply because Israel's dropping more bombs. It's, it's partially because uh, Gaza is just so reckless that many of its own rockets land on its own people. And then as far as the war crimes of Israel, look, this is very well known and well documented that Hamas is a terrorist insurgency and they use the people in Gaza as a human shield. And you probably heard this term before, human shield. Basically, uh, Hamas hides among civilians. They fire their rockets from the streets in densely populated neighborhoods. Their rockets are getting launched from you know, a small area between two uh, apartment buildings. And so it makes it really, really hard for Israeli troops to fire back and to try to kill the operatives who are firing the rockets because they're hiding among civilians. And so Israel goes to great great efforts to try to stop this when, when they're going to bomb uh, a known asset, a known um, Hamas asset. They give advance notice, they give warning, they send text messages, they drop leaflets. They're pleading for citizens to leave. They want people to leave. They, they are begging for families, you know, mothers, families, children, get out. We're going to be attacking this building because Hamas are operating here. Get out. The reason that many people stay um, is because of the intimidation by the terrorists themselves. They, they encourage people to stay. They tell them not to leave. They want them to stay, to act as a human shield so that Israel cannot bomb. Um, and then if Israel does bomb, they get the bad, horrible publicity and the blood on their hands of, of killing families and kids. It's horrible. Um, you know, the reality of any war is that it's horrendous. And by nature, you know, sides are killing each other. They're, people are getting killed. People are getting blown up. Uh, sometimes civilians get caught in the crossfire. The difference is that Israel tries really, really hard to minimize this, whereas Hamas does the exact opposite. Uh, here's an example of Israel. Um, you know, they were trying to shoot uh, down a Hamas asset and they realized that there were kids there and so they abort the mission. Here's what that looks like.
נכון, יש פה אחד גדול וכמה קטנים. אנחנו חושדים בילדים ואנחנו לא נלך על... And so again, Israel is making every effort it can not to commit war crimes, whereas again, on the other side of the equation is Hamas, who is committing war crimes because they are intentionally aiming at civilians in Israel. And it's also worth noting that, you know, it's not just that they fire their rockets from uh, amidst civilian areas. They also plant their headquarters beneath a hospital, a civilian hospital, so that Israel can't bomb it without, you know, blowing up this hospital. Um, tunnel entrances is well documented that an entrance to a tunnel, which is where the Hamas leaders will use um, to sneak underground and go into Israel. Um, the tunnel entrance will be right next to a mosque, right next to a school, right next to a kindergarten, making it again really, really hard for Israel to try to take that out without having these mass, mass casualty situations. And so Israel kind of has its hands tied, making it harder to combat Hamas. And then if it ever does, you know, having to deal with the bad press. So, so again, it's just a myth that Israel is committing war crimes. Next myth that we hear is that Israel is guilty of ethnic cleansing. Again, this is just not true. So the definition of ethnic cleansing is the mass expulsion or killing of members of one ethnic or religious group in one area by another area. So it's not quite as bad as genocide, but it's almost there. It's, it's kind of like right next to genocide in terms of forcibly removing one ethnic group or killing them all. Uh, that's a very, very harsh uh, accusation to be made. And again, there just really isn't evidence of that. So, you know, when it comes to people who get m moved, you know, this, this whole thing, we hear a lot about the evictions that were happening at Sheikh Jarrah. Basically, this is a, a legal dispute um, that has been in the court for decades. And so they're using a legal me mechanism according to the rule of law to lawfully evict squatters who live in six houses. And we're told that this process somehow equates to ethnic cleansing. It's just not true. The reality, of course, is the exact opposite. Jews and Christians have been the victims of ethnic cleansing throughout the Middle East for over a hundred years. There have been sustained campaigns of ethnic cleansing against Jews, targeting Jews to leave their homes and to move. The reason that so many people have moved to Israel in the last 70 years is because Israel is a safe haven. Israel is where Jews can go when they get kicked out and they get pushed out and they get victims of, of these barbaric regimes in neighboring countries. And you can just look at the population uh, changes throughout the Middle East since the um, middle part of the last century. So um, as an example, in Egypt in 1956, the Egyptian government declared all Jews the enemy of the state and immediately began a systemic expulsion. Again, that is ethnic cleansing. Similar things happened in Iran, in Iraq, in Syria. This is a report from the uh, Jerusalem Post that says exactly what I'm saying. It says, in 1948, the year Israel was declared a state, 265,000 Jews lived in Morocco, 150,000 lived in Iraq, 140,000 in Algeria, 100,000 in Egypt, 100,000 in Tunisia, 55,000 in Lebanon, 40,000 in Libya, 30,000 in Syria, and thousands more throughout the Middle East and North Africa for a grand total of 880,000. Shortly thereafter, over 850,000 Jews were expelled from the very countries they called home. The Arab League rejected the establishment of the State of Israel and ultimately decided in forcing out the absolute majority of Jews from their countries, nearly one million Jews were forcibly banished from their homes. So 
the, the reality of the state of Israel is that, yes, Jews have been living in this region for thousands of years. It's been very well documented. But during the second half of the last century, they started getting removed from their countries, kicked out of their countries, the victims of ethnic cleansing. So all of these people came to Israel to find a peaceful place that they can live, where they can pray, where they can practice their religion without persecution. And that is the modern story of Israel. People go there for safe haven and know they're not practicing in their own sort of ethnic cleansing. You can be of any religion and live in, in Israel, aside from being a Mecca for persecuted Jews from the region. It's also where um, persecuted minorities from other religions. So you have Christians that live there, Baha'is, you have lots of persecuted gays, uh, people who can't live peacefully in other parts of the Middle East go to Israel to live there. And it doesn't force non-Jews to leave. That's just not true. And, and that, that myth kind of goes hand in hand with the next one that we see a lot, which is that Israel is the creation of settler colonialism, uh, that, it, that it's a white oppressor um, oppressing, you know, sort of brown-skinned people who live in the area. Again, when you go to Israel, you realize that the Israelis that live there are Middle Eastern. They're not they're not European Israelis. You know, when you think of, of Jews, you might think of someone like Seth Rogen or Ben Shapiro, who sort of look European. When, when you're in Israel, what you see is that most of the people that are there are Middle Eastern. They have either been there for hundreds or thousands of years, um, you know, their families have, or like I said, the people that were persecuted and forced to leave Iran, forced to leave Morocco, forced to leave these other countries, uh, but they're Middle Eastern. So the, the whole idea that somehow it's this like white European country in the middle of the Middle East that have forced all the local people off, it, it's not correct. That's not, it's not accurate. It's sort of using the metaphor of North America, trying to apply it, uh, apply it onto Israel. And it's just not the case. I encourage you to look into the history because there is a lot of history. But I will just say that Jews have been living in Israel for thousands of years. And, you know, when it comes to the British involvement, basically Israel, the, the territory that is Israel today was part of the Ottoman Empire. When the Ottoman Empire fell during the First World War, the British stepped in with the Palestine Mandate. They managed it for a while. They ended up creating two states. So they created an Arab state which is Jordan, 98% of that country is Arab, and the other state that they created was Israel, which was governed by Jews. And so, you know, the whole idea that, that somehow um, this is the product of white supremacy or, or um, you know, colonialism, it really, really just isn't true. Okay, sixth, uh, myth number six, Israel is targeting civilians and that it targeted a media headquarters. This is kind of tied to the other myth that I did. And this, this will be the last myth. I'll leave it here. Um, but the, the, the idea that Israel is targeting citizens is just not true. They're targeting Hamas. It's just that Hamas, as any terrorist group, you know, they're, they're plain clothes. They're not soldiers. It's hard to hit um, military assets because they are hidden amongst the civilians. And Israel does go to painstaking efforts to avoid hitting um, civilians. Uh, it's just being reported that when it comes to this one building that people are um, upset about, they share the Israeli defense shared intelligence with the U.S. defense showing why it was a legitimate target, why they had intel showing that Hamas was using it as a base. 
Uh, regardless, here we have Canadian Joel Simon, who's the executive director of the Committee to Protect Journalists, saying that this attack raises concerns that Israel is targeting the media, trying to disrupt coverage of the human suffering in Gaza. He demanded a detailed and documented justification for the attack. Well, that justification has been given. But again, it's really important to understand that Hamas does use a human shield. It is very intentional. It is part of their strategy. And journalists, look, we know what's going on. We know that this is what they do. They do it time and time and time again. It's been very well documented. We shouldn't fall prey to this narrative. We shouldn't uh, accept this propaganda and we should criticize it. We should lay it out there so that people do understand that Israel's not targeting civilians. They're targeting terrorists. It just so happens that the terrorists are mixed in. Okay, that's it for the myths. I'll just finish by saying one thing. I, I said at the beginning of this video that it is okay to criticize Israel. It is not anti-Semitic. Um, I will just say that you get into dicey territory and borderline anti-Semitism when you go out of your way to demonize Israel, when you don't think that the only Jewish state in the world should have any right to exist or any right to defend itself, when you're saying that, you know, they, they use disproportionate force. Well, just, you know, put yourself in their shoes. Imagine for one second that Canada had a neighbor that was uh, run by terrorists that was bombarding us with bombs, shooting them into civilian neighborhoods, and that the stated goal of that terrorist group was to ensure that Canada didn't exist. The Canadians were all killed or removed from the, from the area, and that was their goal. Imagine how we would react. And so before you criticize Israel, uh, try to imagine what it's like to actually live there, Think about what the people have gone through, the history and the region, um, understanding, you know, the different aspects at play. It's not a simple oppressor, oppressed narrative that so many on the left love to use. They always just simplify it and try to fit it into their narrow little worldview, but that's not the case. I think that it is important that we dispel these myths in order to have a clearer understanding of what is going on. All right, thanks so much for watching. I'm Candace Malcolm for True North.